wonderful worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with Unsui of Understandable Text Messages, Chris Prunty, along with our continued and honorable special guest, Daniel Quinn. On today's episode, we're continuing our exploration into the land of a thousand clouds by exploring factions, events, and conflicts within. Today, we're going to be starting off with factions, and Chris, go ahead and give us yours. Give it to us. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I can't Be wait to loop that and isolate that. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> One of the factions that I came up was the fact that I really get this kind of Great Britain vibe from the Empire, and I don't know where that's coming from or if anyone uh, feels that as well. But I based it off of kind of like the gunpowder plot slash kind of colonies rebelling. And I wanted it to be that a group on this floating island put like satchel charge charges and like blew itself off of the island and then sped to get away. (laughs) That's actually fucking insane. (laughs) And I love it. And I that wanted sounds to call... like a Star Trek Voyager plot somehow. <laughs> yes, yes. I wanted to call them the Ruined Moon Insurgency. Ooh, oh, Ruined okay, Moon like Insurgency. Too. Yeah. How many torpedoes do they have, Chris, to start with? Um, a limited amount. I am not going to number them. Because that seems like putting yourself in a corner. Yeah. Is it, is it at least 40 photon torpedoes? <laughs> at least 40 photon Okay, torpedoes. understood. Well, what questions do we have about this, Daniel? Let's start there. So what was their beef with um, the status quo in the, in the, the city was called, um, was it the city of endless summer or what are we called? City of endless something. I don't think we ever gave it a name. I think we just called it like the moon empire, you know? I remember it having like some kind of like always being in sunlight detail. Oh yeah. It was because it was like, uh, it was also stationary timeless, right. Or like yeah. eternal in some way. So yeah, we had a cool name for it. I don't remember what it is though. Oh. Eternal yeah, sunshine. No. Yeah. Maybe it was, ter- um, that sounds like, no, the- cause Chris, Chris made that joke the last time. Damn it. I Damn it. I was really hoping I could segue it in again. But anyway, like, so what, in terms of what was there, what did they disagree with about the whole status quo? Well, we have been talking about them as being that they're gobbling up, uh, other little islands taking their resources and stuff and i just figured that there would be a group that is kind of against that and uh what is the name of that movie that did very poorly that was uh, like engine something it was about like city there don't you dare compare our setting to the immortal engines (laughs) i wasn't comparing it I was just saying that there are similarities. It's true. I, I refuse this reality. Okay, no. okay. I, I just, I never saw the movie, so I don't know. How dare you, sir? We're not, dr- cities are not drivable, like, Ford pickups that we're going around fighting people in. That's not what this is about, <laughs> God damn it. Why not? Because that's not how this works, okay? Uh, Take, they're flyable and also, okay, I'm starting to see it. We've done Bioshock Infinite <laughs> version of Immortal Engines, but no. Okay, no. yeah. Uh-huh. I, I will gladly accept a Bioshock Infinite reference, but I, I refuse 
an immortal, and especially the movie. But anyway, continue on. I wanted it to be a group that is just like, hey, I think we might be the bad guys. Could we maybe not? And then maybe after some unrest or anything, the idea of the faction was I wanted it to be that there was political unrest. There was no really coming to terms. So they saw that they had to literally separate and kind of splinter off kind of like a 13 colonies thing or, uh, I don't know, Quebec. So they're kind of like, um, they're not really the rebellions insofar as they're like um, a part of the government said, fuck you, we're becoming our own government. But they're still, in a sense, like, not part of the empire, but they made like their own little separate nation state. But they're not necessarily the rebels as in the the random sky kind um floating sky factions that are out there fighting against the empire at large yeah they're more of just like hey we're not all about that but also we don't like you guys either we just Mm want to be our own thing where we don't have to kill people is that cool i see them as like tories almost you know we're like they're still kind of loyal to the empire in some ways but they would prefer autonomy more than anything else another question though are they able to move their piece of moon around because oh, yeah the, yeah because the the main point of the empire was that they were you know essentially fixed in one position mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if that's still the case here i was thinking that maybe they strapped something on there because uh we were saying earlier that maybe since they have the ability to suspend themselves without having to use ballast or anything that uh, they use the floating rock itself that this group was just like, all right, yeah, it's impossible to move the entire island. But if we take this small corner, we could move that and get far enough away that they can't track us that well. I see. Okay. So so it's almost like by separating from the main entity, you're able to have a little bit more autonomy, like physically. There's some opportunity, too, for, like, um, alliances that are unstudied to form. Like, you know, the, the the real rebels would probably be uneasy about allying with them because they still believe in the concept of, like, a unified empire. But at the same time, like, they could be helpful in skirmishes because they're fighting against the larger empire. Yeah, I also just love, I, I mean, I, I hope that your event that we're talking about is them blowing themselves away <laughs> from the rest of the empire. Because I, I feel like that is would be so cool. Yeah, I, think I was debating that being the event, but I was just like, oh, man, I don't think people will go for that as my event. And I'm so glad because I don't like my event. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're going to have to hear your bad event. And we're no! <laughs> I mean, I can picture them planting charges and there's like this whole big like lead up to doing it all. And then once the charges are planted, there's this crazy explosion and there's like patriotic music and then their whole section of the, of the island blows off. <laughs> I, I imagine that there's an entire faction of people just going, woo! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're still like twenty feet from each other. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. It's like it's like like they kind of have to nudge themselves away with a, like like bunch of poles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're probably also like blowing off explosions on the thing once they've separated it, so they can push away from the island while they're being attacked. Oh God! Oh, imagine so it. Amazing! I love it. If it's still close enough. I see, like, every day, both sides, like, putting little bridges down. <laughs> to attach to, attack to yeah. each other, like pirates. We, we can't have that because then it just, like, they would just get, like, immediately obliterated, right? Like, that's, that's true. Not that, that's not how that would work. 
Because they have way too much firepower in the larger island. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. My faction takes place, rather than in the sky, um, it takes place in the chaotic earth below. So does anyone familiar with uh, the show, it's a pretty bad show, called Earth 2? No. No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, okay. Since, since you're not familiar with Earth 2, which was like, I think in the late 90s kind of show, um, it was took, it was, it was about um, a bunch of people trying to travel to, they found the second Earth and they're trying to colonize it. But there were these aliens that lived under the ground that were strange. Um, they kind of reminded me of, um, you know, in Star Wars, the Tusken Raiders, but not as dumb, <laughs> I guess, them. Um, so I, I'm picturing... A cross between that and the Protoss, in the sense that they're these tall, um, mouthless, um, genderless beings that have like a different skin texture um, and that communicate telepathically. And so these beings live in the earth um, and so they're, they're, um, they contain a fragment of the intelligence that's been spread throughout the, the kind of chaotic intelligence that's been spread throughout the chaotic earth um, the from the... The, I guess the time moon collapsing into it. Um, and they're kind of this, the, the people above call them um, weird walkers and they're kind of like shamantic sort of beings and they, they're immune to the whole entropic decay that happens down there. Um, they're not really a civilization in a way that we understand. Like there's pockets of them here and there and people encounter them and they're very skeptical of outsiders and potentially like fight with them. Um, and they, people don't know a lot about them and they're definitely enemies to the sky pirates who come to pillage for artifacts and such, because they, uh, I guess, reside in ruins where those things are, um, so they kind of pop out, you know, attack people and protect their ruins from, you know, invaders. So if they're, if they are immune to the entropic decay, I would imagine them to be a little bit more nomadic as well, because yes. they might be immune to it, but their surroundings certainly aren't. So yeah. they're gonna have to dealing with that as well. That's I imagine, yeah, I imagine them kind of like having roving, they're like roving groups that take shelter in different parts of the planet, but they've learned to like adapt to its chaotic like landscape. That's, I'm imagining all sorts of weird technology. Oh, pun not intended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh surrounding like what they're able to like utilize and everything like that and also yeah that must be a weird existence you know mm -hmm. like to kind of live in a earth that is constantly in flux yeah like i bet their 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 living structures aren't really like houses they probably have like structures that are mobile that they can set up and then like reside in and i imagine them like living like if if like the landscape is like constantly destroyed um chunks of earth that are shifting or you know tidal waves hitting things they, they they can survive in that whether by you know sailing across it or living underneath um you know outcroppings and in caves and things and they're intelligent so what's their main function in the setting then are they mostly used as like window dressing one thing i'm always kind of wary of is when we have other species that are designed just to be like an offset of something that we're used to, right? So what what makes them integral to the setting? What makes them part of the the machine of the setting, so to speak? The way I was thinking about them is that they are they're not natural to the setting. So whatever event caused um, the whole chaos on the ground to happen, 
like they were created by it. So when I say like they have a spark of the intelligence of the world, whatever um, intelligence is going on deep within the core of what's happening wherever that time moon collapsed, um, they arose from that. So they have some intimate knowledge of what's happening, but because you know they're hostile to outsiders, it's really hard to communicate with them, but they might have secrets as to the nature of the world below. So, so let's recap real quick because yeah. This this planet once had three moon, three moons. This planet once had three moons, two of which were destroyed, and the third one was partially destroyed, which is where you get the, you know, the floating continent of the empire. And uh, I'm, I'm I would like for you to clarify what you mean by like the royal uh, underneath, right? The the kind of chaos of the Earth. Oh, I so was it wasn't the time moon that was destroyed; it was the other two. Correct. Okay, so then they must be made of the other two then that were destroyed. I basically mean like um, the, the the catastrophe that happened as a result of the moons falling to the earth, um, like they arose from that. So they may have some understanding of, of the events that led up to that because their history, like they've been alive since then, even though they're not a civilization and that they're kind of like roaming throughout the, the chaotic earth. But because they're hostile to outsiders and they don't trust all these sky pirates coming and stealing the artifacts that you know, are among the ruins they live in, you know, it's really hard to communicate with them and extract that history. Gotcha. So, yeah. So are the, so are these basically like moon moonlings? Like they, they are inhabitants or, or perhaps um, native to the original moons. <gasps> oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Okay. They're survivors. That's where my brain immediately goes is, you know, yeah. it's like, Oh, they're, they're just natives to, and, and actually that, that adds kind of a cool layer to it as well, because mm -hmm. now from their perspective, they're forced to survive in a really inhospitable habitat, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're forced to survive in a place that is constantly in like time flux, but because they're rooted in the other moons that they're mm -hmm. immune to that essentially oh that's perfect that means that it also hints that maybe that if they came from those two moons that must mean there could be people on the time moon. actually that's mm -hmm. really interesting because that kind of goes into my faction a little bit oh there we go well as as you probably have already known i've been re-watching avatar the last airbender because goddamn that show is amazing I wanted to do a little bit of an homage and my homage is to the order of the white Lotus, which is this very secretive society that kind of tugs its strings behind the scenes. And I wanted to do something like that where they're mysterious and they're secretive and there is this kind of unknowable thing about them. And I wanted it to be where their missions don't necessarily benefit anyone. So that's why the rebels don't really trust them. The empire doesn't really trust them. They're, they're kind of seen as this enigma. And I wanted it to be something along the lines of their whole goal is to restore the moons back in the sky. And I'm intentionally leaving it a mystery as to how they intend to do so. So when they do, when they, when they produce missions or when they go through and they, back you know the rebels one day and then the empire the next they don't know or people from the outside looking in don't understand what's going on and they don't know if they like they they there's obviously a deep mistrust for them because of their loyalties are so alien compared to the rest of the world like the rebels want to fight the empire and the empire want to maintain the status quo that's it that's very simple but they're the this third party this other order is so alien that they just don't 
fit in either way. And that is partially why they have to maintain secrecy and everything like that. Now you said there are secret societies. So is, are people inside the empire aware of their existence or are they completely secret to everyone? Like, are they behaving as other people? So I would say that they're more along the lines of a rumor more than anything okay. else. You know, it's, it's kind of like, do they exist? Oh, that's just a, that's an old wives tale. They don't actually exist. It's like the Illuminati almost, you know, right. And you don't know who belongs to it basically. Right. Right. What are you trying to say? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, are you a Freemason? Are you Illuminati? You know, it's, it's one of those type of clubs. And the, in the reason that it actually kind of reminded me or, or the reason that your point brought, brought mine to mind is because I wanted to be that each of the moons has a totemic creature attached to it. So it's, and, and they're more or less the, the ruling bodies behind this society. And they each represent one of the major fundamental forces of the universe. And my idea was you'd have the Sphinx, you'd have the Coatl, and a third one, which I am leaving again, intentionally vague because it would represent time. And these other two, and these other two things, my motivation for them to get back together is because they just want to be joined back together again. It's like the three moons are essentially like siblings and they miss being together. Right. So it's, but how they do it is, is a little different. These, these creatures, um, they're what are they, were they like native entities in these moons or you said they, they governed over the moon? I would say that they're native creatures that are just immensely powerful. Okay. So it, and they each, re so the reason I chose each one of them is because they represent an aspect of the, of the universe that I mm -hmm. kind of appreciate. So for example, right. Uh, the Sphinx would represent reality. And the reason that it always talks in riddles is because it's talking to multiple people all at once and to those perceiving it, it's speaking in riddles and you have to decipher it. And to it, it's just trying to say something that is applicable to everyone. It's speaking to all at once. It has to sift through reality in order to make sense of it all. And the best it can come up with is riddles, like understanding riddles and whatnot. When it's talking to people and kind of giving uh, something that's applicable to everyone involved, uh, but it's still also something that no one really believes in. You were saying that it's something that people don't really believe in, that it's like a legend, right? No, the, these creatures absolutely exist, but I'm saying that the, the order that they rule over is kind of an enigma. Like that is, that is the rumor. Oh, so that order serves them is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, okay. yeah, I, I, I suppose I should have mentioned that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then that implies that these people, I mean, maybe their acolytes aren't um, literally from those moons, but whoever's in charge of this organization must have come from those moons. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's, that's ultimately what I was trying to get at. And then the two creatures that fell from the destroyed moons, that means they're in the world below. Right. Or and they may be causing some of the chaos. Right. They're both winged. They're both winged, though. Mm -hmm. So technically they could kind of fly and they, they can be amongst they the want. rebels and whatnot. They might um, they might be bound in some way. And that's why they can't get out, which would be interesting yeah. because you could if you have these natives, right, the natives, I hate to use the word natives, but that's essentially what they are. Natives to the moons that are below the weird walkers. They must know of the existence of these creatures, and probably they came from the moons that were destroyed where they lived. So then you have some good alignment of motivations because now you have like 
maybe the people that are like in behind your secret society aren't 100% aligned with the people in the world below the weird walkers, even though they have the same goal, like maybe because they decided to go to the surface and uh, interact with humans, they don't appreciate that, you know? So now you've got some possibility from, for disagreement within even a faction. I feel like the, the weird walkers are, have kind of accepted their lot you mm-hmm. know, that they're, this is our new world. This yeah. is our new land that we're going to live in. And they probably see it as this is our dominion. Right. Right. Because they, they're living amongst them. They're the undisputed rulers of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and, they, and, they, and if the creatures are bound, maybe they have a goal of like freeing them. Maybe it take over the, the world above potentially. But um, the, the secret society seems like they want to put things back the way they were, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing I want. The, that's why I wanted them to be kind of like weirdly neutral is mm-hmm. because in some cases it is restoring balance, but also is it actually restoring balance though, right? Yeah. Like it's, there's there's this kind of personal motivation behind it where they're not entirely sure, where people from the outside aren't entirely sure what their actual mm-hmm. goals are. You know, like, or it, it's almost a matter of how does this benefit us, you know, but because the people in the order are so loyal that, They just don't question it. They're like, look, Mm -hmm. we're serving these beings of reality and space that are so unbelievably intelligent compared to us that we're just going to go with it. Like whatever. But at the same time, because one of their leaders is, you know, it's a a sphinx who speaks only in riddles. Deciphering orders can be kind of a problem sometimes, at least for part of the people. And so that's why I think that you can get into this secret society and have two of the sides fighting on opposite ends and then not even realizing it in mm-hmm. some cases. And what's what's really interesting, too, is that the, the, the lesser minions within this secret society may not even have any knowledge of any of this. Like they just may, may think they're part of a secret society where they can get like you know, whatever benefits they might get, like maybe they get artifacts or wealth or something for serving the, the society, but they don't really understand what they're actually serving, you know? That's that's exactly what I had in mind as well, mm-hmm. you know, where to us, the Illuminati or the Freemasons are just a way to make our business grow or, right. you know, just a social club. But, you know, maybe there is some kind of a, a deeper, you know, kind of more sinister agenda that exists. Oh my God, Chris, do you remember the episode with the brain aliens that attach to people? And no, he really doesn't. I assure you he does not remember That's what that this reminds me of. <laughs> Go on. Go, what, what were you saying about the brain alien? It, it's the one where they have to blow up that one ensign at the end, and there's like a mother alien in its gut. Oh, in the, in the Starfleet Admiral, and it's yeah. like really brutal. Yeah, it's gross. Oh, I like this because now I've got some connections between the groups, you know, like I've, I've got like an overall conspiracy, right? But then we've got, you know, layers of factions that could interact. So there's many ways you could play that potentially. Yeah, because I wanted to go beyond just the regular Empire Rebels thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm glad that Chris came up with a third entity as well that was a little bit neutral, you know? Yeah. Because you could play it on different, you can, I mean, you could play a straight, you know, Sky War, right? But you could also play like a secret intrigue thing that's happening within it, you know, where that's the backdrop. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the fun where, yes, there's war that's happening that can be manipulated and everything like that. But it's also a matter of, uh, you know, like people, because wars are always manipulated by people and by needs, like mm-hmm. 
it's just a, it's just a matter of how war works, right? Like we need this thing. We need, we, we need this resource. We need this parcel of land for whatever reason. And then there are people who are like, yeah, I will benefit from that. Sure. I can go ahead and push that agenda. No problem. And actually that kind of curtails into my event, which because you said war, I did want to get into that. And my event is called the war of splintered skies, which happened very recently as a matter of fact. And it was essentially a massive world scale war that has was so devastating to both sides that both both the rebels and the empire are in a forced armistice where both sides took such heavy losses that they basically don't have the means to go to war at the moment because they're rebuilding everything that they've lost and it's it, it's kind of like a so now my my mind is the setting is now a simmering cold war where it's a resource grab. It's how quickly can we rebuild our ships to get back in and strike at our enemy as quickly as possible. And it makes the the main conceit of the of the setting which is we have to go down to the surface in order to get resources and everything like that even more important because now there's a reason behind it. There's a threat that if we don't get these resources and we don't resupply ourselves and we don't, you know, build our ships faster than the enemy, then our entire way of life is dead and destroyed. Since um, this kind of shifts the balance of power because the empire no longer would have an overwhelming advantage. Um, what, what was the nature of the, the, like the end of the war that caused such cataclysmic damage? Like, was there something specific that really crippled the way they all can interact or crippled the empire in particular? Well, see, I want to, I want to challenge that because the empire still has an overwhelming advantage in Mm -hmm. uh, resources and technology, but the difference is they don't have an armada that they can get just kind of send out at will. Okay. So like their, their, their troops are really decimated. Well, I would say that they're, it's not so much their troops, but it's the ships that they have because they have ships that are strictly in defense of the empire and they're not, they're not planning on leaving because, because again, they're a sitting duck compared to the rest of the, the rest of the factions. So they need to focus more on defense because, you know, they can't just fly away. We can tie Chris's thing in with that. Well, in the sense that, like, if there's an event that could have really crippled the standing army on all sides, like maybe the whole breaking off the um, piece of the 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 empire was an enormous explosion that killed a lot of people. You know? Oh, oh I could I could totally see that. Yeah. You you could also be that maybe that section of the island or whatever was very industry heavy. Like maybe they were the the like several factories or workers or armory or something was there and they're like oh crap we can't replace those fast enough yeah. and we're in the middle of a war oh that's actually yeah that's brilliant so you have this idea that and i had an overarching idea that there was you know a capital h hero who is yeah. in charge of the rebellion and sacrificed himself during this whole ordeal uh-huh. and yeah and, and uh i i was leaving that kind of vague to be filled in at a later date but i love the idea that there was some kind of heroic sacrifice involved 
And to have it be to separate and cripple the empire in such a way that allowed this gunpowder plot to continue or to, to go on. I, I'm my brain is like overloading with how much I want to integrate everything involved right now. <laughs> um, because I, I see it like we're putting together a puzzle right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Before we even get started on this, why don't we answer this question? Did the gunpowder plot happen as a result of the war or did it happen as a result in the aftermath of the of the cataclysmic event? Were the gunpowder plot people so pissed off at this catastrophic defeat that they decided to separate? Or did it ha did they separate as a result of this catastrophic event? I kind of see it as maybe they saw their chance. They're like, all right, the Empire's been preoccupied. They've been weakened a little bit. They won't be able to take us on or divert resources to handling us so what if we do this now it gives our best chance of success it's kind of like when uh what was it the rising in ireland okay yeah i, I i'm totally okay with that so it's it's a matter of they're opportunists like mm -hmm. let's let's take advantage while the let's strike while the iron's hot let's go ahead and knock this out while we have a chance so this explosion happened then they broke off is what you're saying Something like that. I, I actually you wasn't know, like a could, natural explosion. So, well, no. What we could what we could do, right? We could make it so the the cataclysmic event fractured that part of the island, right? Like, let's say that the rebels were targeting or were specifically targeting the manufacturing area of the empire, and they they create a, a massive explosion that fractures it, but doesn't actually blow it apart. Yeah. In the aftermath, the gunpowder plot kind of sneaks in and finds the fracture point and this starts to slowly but surely make it worse and worse until they can eventually immediately like or just entirely blow themselves apart from the mainland. I like that. I would want to add one wrinkle to it is in that um, when the rebels were planning these charges, what I would would have would, would like to be the case is that they never intended for it to be as big an explosion as it was. Like, I'd like there to be some kind of, like, accident that, not accident, but some kind of, like, unintentionalness to it that caused so much casualties on both sides. It reacted with some sort of minerals or something? Yeah, like, maybe they, they didn't expect the level of the damage they did. Well, see, what I'm thinking happened is that this was supposed to be a raid, and mm -hmm. the Empire, due to um, intel, knew that it was going to happen. And so, to protect the rest of the Rebels, the from getting away, the hero had to sacrifice themselves. And mm -hmm. as a result, this massive explosion happened, right? Like, yeah. go ahead, I'll hold them off. It'll be okay. And what should have been okay ended up being a massive explosion that destroyed like a lot on both sides. Yeah, because if it's if some of it wasn't expected, like you're saying, then it would be more plausible that everyone was like really set back by it. Right. And I imagine that it's, it's not just a matter of, well, like you cripple the infrastructure of the empire and also because the rebels have less resources in general by mm -hmm. knocking out part of their fleet that's also a, like a much larger deal than the yeah. empire having that as well so i think that all works together yeah cool Whew. all right who, who wants to go next with their event i could do my stupid event <laughs> Actually, yeah, Chris, Chris, go ahead do your stupid event, I want to do your stupid event. <laughs> no it's uh, if you want to see like the little note that I put, like 
you have you ever seen that comic where it has it just like DM notes and it just says sexy goblins? <laughs> no, I, ha- I I do know what you're talking about. It's like, isn't it like sexy go- sexy goblins question mark or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, man, you planned so much ahead. <sighs> DM notes, sexy goblins question mark. Yes, yeah, I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. So. The event part of this Word document that I have says Lunar Holiday Magic with several A's. <laughs> so so magic. I mean to say it's magic. Magic. Right? Yeah, because I was just like, it, it's also a question mark because I was just like, have we talked about magic? Is magic even a thing? Chris, one of the main tenets of the world was the use of magic. So, yes, magic is absolutely Yeah, but not right. magic users. The time mages were kind of the closest we had. What, are, what, what is a mage? <sighs> just, well, we, to to recap, we had three types of magic, right? Wasn't it reality, um, time? Yeah, time, space, and reality. And yes. space, yeah. Magic. Yes. <laughs> But, but it, I mean, I guess what you're asking is what who who gets to use the magic, right? Is, what you're yeah, saying. is it sorcerer or study? Mm-hmm. I had it more sorcerer in this one, where it's more of like an innate talent more than anything else. All right. So I think the lunar event kind of thing that I wanted to have happen was kind of, to, to once again bring up Avatar, was kind of like how the eclipse or certain star events like uh, asteroids, not asteroids, meteorites. Comet. W- Comet, thank you, yeah. would heighten people's power. Oh, okay. I can, I can fuck with that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, because there's so much astronomical stuff happening. I mean, granted, the two of the moons are gone, but you have some interesting like alignment issues, you know? Yeah, but also I had the idea of what happens on what should have been a lunar event that also affects magic when there's no moon. Because, I mean, the stars are still in the same place. Like, things should happen. Maybe and not remember, necessarily good things. And remember that, like, the fragments of the moon are still in, you know, like, the Earth itself, right? Like, yeah. the fragments. And, and they're, those are the artifacts of power that uh, Daniel keeps alluding to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe so, maybe you need to go down there to, to take advantage of the alignment now. Maybe it makes it easier to find because they're resonating in some way. Oh, I like that. That's a good idea. It, it makes it so... You know, like uh, now I'm imagining, you know, um, The Mummy, another favorite movie of mine, where, you know, like they're right before they find Hamunoptera and they have to wait at the morning when the sun just starts to rise so they can see where Hamunoptera actually is, Mm. you know, like something like that. But a celestial event where it's like, okay, on this day, during this phase of the moon, we, you know, this this thing will be revealed to us, you know, whether it be artifacts or whether it be some kind of uh unknown you know actually you know we could do we could have it be something along the lines of uh a a tear in reality because again part of the moon so it can be a way of uh we can we can incorporate some kind of lovecraftian like dreamscape mythos to it where Mm. there are these cities that you know the portal only it's like uh what's it called uh, not Carcosa, but the other one where you can go there and you see all the weird dream merchants and stuff like that. I, I remember Kadath. that there was a frog that cursed someone, like a stone. Mm-hmm. Dream quests of unknown Kadath. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Thank you, Daniel. You're better Lovecraft fans than me. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, like, how cool would that be where it's like every couple of years you have the opportunity to go to this weird merchant city that is completely alien and like because of a celestial event. I think we established in the previous episode, like time dilation pockets. So maybe that's related to that. Like maybe they emerge, like the, the, the dilation ceases in those spots and you can go to those places. That's, that's a great idea. Yeah. We could, we could throw that in as well. Oh, that's cool. I can, yeah, I'm, I'm way more on board with this now. Well, what would really be neat too is like if there's a, this eclipse happening, that would a prompt all the sky pirate um, slash um, treasure hunters to get to get to action, and it would also cause the weird walkers to come out, you know, <laughs> to defend. Oh, it. Uh, well, it, I was actually thinking not even a defender, but like mm-hmm. maybe this is the one time where they're like, "Hey, look, we're on neutral ground here. Like we're like it's a truce. Like we have to go to the city." It benefits everyone. Like, just chill the fuck out. Be cool, Weird Walkers. Be cool. Well, I, I, mean, the, I imagine the Weird Walkers wouldn't want treasure hunters stealing their stuff. So they probably come out to defend their cities, you know? Well, I, I, I guess, but I don't see those, like, those pockets of time dilated area where mm-hmm. tears and reality open new cities up. I don't think they see that as theirs. They see that as, oh, that's an autonomous person in a different reality. I respect their autonomy. Oh, so what are these? What are these cities that are being revealed? Are they like? Well, like are, I are said, they they're, they're, the well, no, they're they're just revealed by that part of the moon. Oh, okay. Okay, so I, I, again, I thought I was explaining this better than I actually am. <laughs> so imagine a celestial event, right? Like like Chris was saying, let's say that it's supposed to be an eclipse, but there's no moon. But because the moon is now embedded into the earth itself, mm-hmm. those pockets of time dilation open up. And so tears in reality happen and you can go and visit traitors from a dreamland or traitors from a different reality. Oh, so they don't belong to this world. They're from kind Not of wherever. I see. Okay. Right. I got you. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You could even throw something weird in there where it's just like, oh, and you definitely don't want to be in the market when the event ends. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. I want to throw like this is the bit of really weird shit like that I want to throw in cuz like I, I want to I want it to be where up in the sky that's where the that's where the normal shit is, right? Like that and that's that, that's the fun part, right? Where the sky is normal. It's when you get to the ground that it's like, "Oh, there is all sorts of weird shit down here like the weird walkers and like dream portals to Carcosa and shit like that, right?" And when you get to the earth and you enter, it's like, oh, you don't want to get stuck here because then you become part of the dreamscape and you're not allowed back into our world, you know, but you can still reap the rewards of visiting those cities. There could be two eclipses too, one for each moon, right? So if there's the reality eclipse might be what you're describing. And then the other one, was the other one time reality? Oh, I like that. So space might deal, might do something different on that lunar day. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was just giving an example of one of them, but I think mm-hmm. you're you're spot on when you say that there should be multiple effects. Yeah. Oh my God. What would the time the time? Maybe the time eclipse like entropy ceases for that time. I actually think it's the opposite. I think that we're currently experiencing that celestial effect. Oh, permanent time. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. Would be. Oh, what would space be? Space. Oh God. I mean, it could fuck up distances. 
but that's kind of literal. It could yeah. also just be uh, spatial in the sense of it's multiple markets on top of each other at once. Oh, so no, like that, a... that, that's too terrifying to me to think that, like, you're you're now, like, looking at four different people all at the same time. Like, that's... Oh, you know what you can do? You can spin it off that. Like, it's an MC Escher kind of thing. If you did, like, a multiply connected space, so in, in like, um, kind of, like, weird physics stuff, you can have, like, higher dimensional spaces where, say, you open a door and it actually opens the door onto a space that's, like, hundreds of miles away because you're taking a different route to get there, essentially, like, extra dimension of space to do it. Maybe it, like, connects up the world in a way that doesn't make sense. So, like, if I could, I could open a door somewhere below and end up on the sky, you know? Oh, or so you basically create little, like, portals or teleports, like, or teleportals everywhere in the world. Yeah, and, and I mean, I imagine if the, the secret society has an awareness of how the moons work, they might use this as an opportunity to get places that they couldn't get to previously, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, Any door. Mm-hmm. Or actually, it, it also reminds me a little bit of um, the, oh, what's the name of it? There, It's from uh, Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James, where it, it's like these people who are able to, there are like 13 gates, mm -hmm. and you have to go through them in a specific order, and you can't go backwards, but it allows for teleportation. Oh, yeah. Uh, Something weird like that would be cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I love I love weird little rules attached to magic, you know? Maybe it's a way, maybe only on that lunar day, you can use this, the, the, the tricks to get to the time moon. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You yeah, it's a way back to the moon. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, okay. I can fuck with that. This setting is so weird now. <laughs> like... Uh, I, I was, like, kind of going where we're, like, a straightforward adventure thing, and now that we're adding, like, Earth stuff, it's like, oh, this is going way off the fucking road, you know? <laughs> where it's, like, the most boring thing about our setting is uh, Sky Pirate Rebels and moon, <laughs> and moon Empire. It's like, yeah, that's, like, cookie cutter. And then, like, everything surrounding it is, like, fucking bizarre. <sighs> oh, I like that, though. I'm, I'm liking that, because... You can have just a straightforward adventure with mm -hmm. sky pirates and everything like that. But if you want, you can also explore the very strange reality of the earth below. Go I'm to totally down with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also trying to think of what that astronomical event would be when multiple planets uh, line up. It's a celestial convergence. Convergence? Yeah, that's when like all this, it's basically when the moons and planets align in a certain mm -hmm. way. It's called a celestial convergence. Yeah. You know, so it's like objects. Yeah. The event I was thinking about, um, I called the first expedition. Um, and the premise, and now who carries it out doesn't really matter if you can swap that out. But the premise was that a time wizard um, in the distant past, um, but after the collapse of the moon, so sometime between um, before the present, but, be, but after when the whole moon situation happened, um, traveled into the earth with a bunch of followers um, deep into the ocean and the chaotic landscape to search for, I guess, the moons. Like I had written down the source of the world's power, but we know that that's really the moons. So to find, I assume then that he's this, this time wizard's actually searching for the two creatures, potentially. Um, now their expedition, in terms of lore and how this would add to a world, um, their expedition took years 
um, and they faced all kinds of trials. And the only reason they survived is because they had the time wizards to kind of fend off the entropic decay. Um, they faced all kinds of trials and problems, and they left lots of outposts that are now abandoned, broken apart, and records of what they found and, and what they've discovered on their journey as they traveled deeper and deeper. And ultimately, it's believed the Time Wizard found what they were looking for, but once they got into the structure, so I'm always picturing like a pyramid or something deep underneath the, the world, got access to it, and then vanished. And the followers were all driven mad or were... Um, killed or lost through a calamity. Um, so I assume they got access to wherever those creatures were, um, always one of them. Um, and so in terms of what's useful uh, to the rest of the history is that it's possible to follow their trail if you know where to find the outposts and those records. Okay, that's really cool. I just I just thought of something as you were, spe- as you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Those outposts are made out of larger fragments of the moon. Oh, yeah. Because- so, so they're made of moonstone and they, they're immune to entropic decay, which is why that you can still kind of find them as to markers. travel through them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's a way and to then, step your way to the beasts. Yes. Also, is this, is this where the weird walkers live or do yes. are they attracted to those like shaped parts of their original moon? And that would actually make sense if they were natives to the mm-hmm. moons to begin with. And they, I bet the records show all the, the encounters they had with those weird walkers. They had to fight them often or try to communicate with them, and it was really difficult. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or actually, maybe, yeah, maybe part of it is, like, the the time ba- the time mage had the ability to communicate with the weird walkers. Or maybe mm-hmm. it starts off as, you know, like, you have factions of different uh, weird walkers, right? Where yeah. some of them are originally hostile, and then and they learn to go... Yeah, the, the deeper you go, the more that the time mage realized, oh, these are actually just a different people. Mm-hmm. We can communicate with them. So it's it's it shows a level of understanding and learning through through the people itself. That the I bet I bet once they got to the doorway, they, he might have had some weird walker allies, you know, who were trying to figure it out with him. You know, or absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's how it has to be. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of these like moon beasts originally. I had the idea that they originally were essentially in tra- they're trapped in part of the moons that they're from. Yeah. And that's why they're actually out and about in the world. And so the third one, which is the reason why I left it kind of mysterious is that it's still trapped in the time moon somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, where, whether it be in the, and, and I also wanted to curtail into it as well, where, uh, it's trapped in the chunk of the time moon that makes up the empire and the faceless emperor himself is actually that moon beast. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. I, was, I was also, as you're saying that I was thinking too, like that seems to imply if they were originally trapped on their moons, that the, the weird Walker people are actually, were actually enslaving them. And so the relationship between the beasts and the weird walkers isn't positive. It's for people probably assume it's actually negative. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like they worship them. It's like, no, mm-hmm. we were imprisoning them for a reason. To rule. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, maybe the Weird Walkers, like, drew power from those, you know, like, from the moon. Oh. And they ruled the world, the world below, from the moons. Yeah, there mm-hmm. we go. Okay. So now they have some kind of, like, uh, resentment because they used to rule this world that's now ruined, you know? This is, okay, this is, like, getting so fucking, oh, man. I love <laughs> I love building this shit with you guys because it, like you never know where you're going to. End. No idea. 
it's like whoa like i'm sure that when we started this episode compared to right now uh-huh we had completely different ideas of where we we're going and now through the building process it's like this is crazy like we're getting like, so here like yeah, we're getting like deep in the weeds <laughs> with this shit yeah that's awesome okay so the the conflict I had in mind, um, we essentially um, covered to some extent because you invented that secret society. Um, what I had in mind is that there was a conspiracy within um, the empire that um, there were supposed to be different kind of political groups within that group. Like one is one that worships the autocrat, one um, is aligned with the rebels, and then one just wants to consolidate power for themselves. But honestly, those could just be the different kinds of personalities you encounter in the pol- in the in the polity of you know the the city. And I think when you have your your um, the secret society, that's essentially the ones who worship the autocrat because they follow its its pronouncements secretly. So I think we've covered essentially my conflict, which is having that conspiracy in place uh, because you know that's what that's what they're doing. I, I love conspiracies, obviously, as I've as I've discussed. Um, yeah, my, my, I feel like I've touched on my conflict as well a little bit because mm-hmm. I had this idea that after the her- hero sacrificed themselves to break off the part of the moon, um, they, that was the glue that was holding the rebel alliance together. And oh, so now you start to see, you know, like there's, there's now a power gap and will the empire or will the alliance rather fracture and fall apart or are people trying to push their own hero and be like, no, this is the hero we're going to follow now. This is the one, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like almost prophesize that. And that's the other point that I forgot to mention is that this hero capital H was supposed to be the one it was prophesized to end the war and it was prophesized to destroy the empire. But now that that hero who was prophesized is dead, they realize that the prophecies don't really work very well anymore. And so they're trying to push their own agenda essentially. No, that makes sense. It kind of fills in some holes. Yeah. Um, and Chris, what was your conflict? Sexy goblins. Sexy goblins. It, it's a huge conflict. It affects millions of us. Uh, no, my conflict that I had in mind is not so much like a, a people versus people thing or anything. I really just wanted something that was against nature that was in the sky, like some horrible uh, broken sky like thing, like a and I'm not even sure if that would count as a conflict, but it, it is something that people have to overcome constantly. I was picturing kind of uh, like the red spot on Jupiter or uh, if you've ever played the Stalker series, I think they're called like, uh, I think it's called an emissions event. It's where in the Stalker series, like the power plant would vent and then outside would just be destroyed. I wanted something that the the act of the moons colliding with the planet cause some sort of spatial and other thing that was in the sky itself because we do have the sky being a safe place but i want something there that doesn't make it all just normal weather patterns and such like a natural disturbance yeah uh, also if you've ever read well i know you've read rob but uh the scar by china mayville i haven't read that one from him i only read the first one and part of it i didn't like I- it yeah, you read like the first that. 10 pages of Pretty Eater Street Station. First 50 pages, thank you. I, no, it's it's like a 700-page book that's basically uh, 10 pages. He got the foreword. It's still 50. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, Daniel. Okay, yes. What, what about what about 
the scar are you talking about, Chris? Just that that area that they were going to where there's like this open wound in the ocean that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted the mystery of that. I wanted something that like, maybe it's a dust storm of moon dust or something that just causes like, just like, Oh yeah, that's a vortex of time, space and reality. You do not want to go into that. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with that. I I like, (laughs) I like a, I like natural moon disasters for sure. Yeah. Could you have some of the ecosystem of the moon spill into the sky? Like, it would be neat if they were also sentient or just creatures of some kind from the moon that fly around up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the idea pretty much comes from not just what was listed above, but do you remember in Mad Max when they were going through the dust storm? Yeah. Yes. I love awesome. that kind of events when it happens. I It, like, heightens the danger and the action and everything, and I I just want that. Yeah. Why can't we cool. have time storms then, right? Like no, we already no, have that's... these moments of time dilation. Why not have it so like there are storms that actively warp time, whether it be like it reverts you or it speeds it, you know, like we were talking about the entropy. Why not have it be so, oh, wait. So as opposed to having time speed up, maybe these storms that occur naturally, they reverse time. So so it's like you enter the storm and it's like, oh, I'm a baby now. Dear God. My whole crew is dead because we can't pilot a ship with babies. Should the storms have a time aspect, though, since the destroyed moons were reality in space? Hmm? Like the destroyed moons, you said that these disturbances are caused by the moons having fallen. So, like, those, the aspects that fell were reality in space, right? Uh Uh-huh. And a little bit of time. And part of time. Oh, a little bit of time is true, yeah. There was a chunk. (laughs) Because see what I was thinking, right? Like with, if we have time, like entropy, right? Why not have a storm where like you and your captain go through the storm and time goes back so fast that you de-evolve into like a lizard or something like that? <laughs> I like the way there. <sighs> well, because you have different flavored yeah. storms. You just have different flavored storms for even one for each, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that Star Trek storm that I just mentioned that I've been long conning you with this whole time. I hate you. Such a passion. I mean, the reality one could dump a bunch of like weird creatures that attack them. The time one could like have inverse entropy, like you're saying. And the space one, maybe it like flings you distances you didn't expect, you know? Wait, no. Uh, For the time one, what if you go into the storm and then you come out and it's a different time? Oh, so it actually isn't. Yeah, so it could be like 50 years later and you're just like, oh, damn it. That is so many Star Trek episodes. That's like, that's a real violation storm. (laughs) And then like maybe part of, oh, that, yeah. And that's why you don't want to like, yeah, okay. Okay, okay, yeah, that's This fleet of Empire ships went into the storm and came out 100 years later only to realize that they had already lost the war. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. This is classic Star Trek. It's really dangerous. Yeah. Or, or can you imagine like uh, getting getting back up from a fleet that existed thirty years ago, like just <laughs> just when you need it the most? Yeah, you know, like you could. Oh, that's cool. All right, yeah, this is fun. I can fuck around with this, mm. guys. This is a long episode. This, yeah, guys, this is a long episode. This is a long one, uh, but I think I've had a lot of fun, and I think you have too. Hopefully. People are still listening to us despite all the moon madness that's going on right now. Oh. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Goodbye. I think we're going to wrap up here. Uh, join us next time when we talk about uh, how to utilize parts of our setting for, man, there's so much to mine here. Like that's, that that's, we're, we're going to give you plot hooks where you can drop in your setting, where you can, uh, you know, write your own stories, where you can tell your own tales. That's what next episode is going to be about. Uh, if you want to send us your own weird setting that we can uh, add time stuff to and, you know, like moon moon creatures and all that, just go ahead and send us an email at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Or if you per- prefer Twitter, you can go ahead and send us a Twitter at Let's World Build. That's fine, too. Uh, until next time, remember that we love you very much and you're going to get through next week with us. Until then.